It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. <laughs> You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 256, and today we are talking about books being released on April 21st, 2020, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hey! Hey there! How are you holding up? I'm doing okay! We're recording, this is what, Thursday the 16th? We were going to record yesterday, but I was super cranky. Like, it was like, it was mostly okay, but yesterday I was not feeling it. Tears like, can we please record on a different day? But today, I watched a lot of The Simpsons, and I played a lot of Disney Emoji Game, and I'm feeling much better. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I feel like, for the most part, I'm hanging up, or holding up pretty well. Like, we both, my partner and I, are getting out of the house when we can to, like, walk in the park, and we both have work, and we're trying to enforce structure, but I can't lie, a lot of the last month has been, like, playing Animal Crossing and, like, doing very comforting things, and there have been some, like, days when I'm just like, this is this is not going to be a good day. I can feel it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird time. But hey, you do what you have to do. I keep making jokes about like screaming into a pillow, but like it's not really a joke. It's actually very cathartic. And I recommend <laughs> that everyone try it. If you need to get some stuff off your chest, let some steam out, because you don't want to just scream and frighten everyone else. So pillows work. Yes. It was new to me, but I've been trying it out. And I've been reading books. The first couple of weeks, the first week or so, I could not concentrate. And I've just been mostly terrified like you know couldn't focus to read but now i've hit a stride that like i haven't seen since before before i last steinbeck i'm reading at an incredible rate so i'm riding that wave as long as i can that's awesome i also kind of was struggling with reading when this all kind of started and i didn't think that like i was stressing out too much it was just I think it was like, okay, I've got to work as much as possible. You know, I'm completely freelance, don't know what the future holds, take on all the work. So I got really bogged down in that. But actually reading some of the books for this episode um, were what brought me out of my reading funk of the last few weeks. And now I'm just like, all right, here we go. I'm ready to dive through all the books. So it feels nice to be back on my game. Yeah, that's good. It also helps that publishers have started sending out the most amazing galleys, the most amazing titles for online galleys. Totally. Because they're like, eh, might as well. It's terrible that like everything is shut down, but they're not spending money on galleys right now, which is a huge savings for them. It's a huge expense. So at least they have that, like they're saving that because they're also not selling as many books right now. I'm just grabbing every e-galley that I can find, stuff that I'm like, 
Hmm, Habsburgs? Let's read about them. I'm just grabbing stuff. I have no idea what it is. I'll try. I'll read anything. Yeah, totally. And I feel like I'm getting more access to galleys, e-galleys that I might not have had beforehand because they're being a little bit more open with making sure that everybody's getting those digital galleys because they can't send out physical ones, which is good for me. (laughs) I'm happy. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like my boyfriend hardly ever has days off and now he's off all the time. And we keep saying the same thing. Like, if it wasn't for everything horrible happening in the world, this would be the best time of our lives. For sure. Reading books and he's relaxing for the first time and he's like watching TV and and he never used to do that. He always worked. He worked every day. So this is an amazing thing for him. The other day he slept in until 630 in the morning for like instead of four o'clock like he usually does. And that was a big deal. This is such a weird time. It is. Yeah. Well, hopefully everybody can enjoy the parts that are good and not stress too much about what we can't control. Yeah, that's all you can do. Doing this show is part of what makes me happy. And I hope everyone out there listening is doing as well as they can during this. And we want you to know whatever you're doing is good. No matter what you see on the internet or see other people doing, whatever is keeping you happy and healthy is what's best for you. So we appreciate you listening. And we're going to tell you about some books now. Um, Oh, wait, no, I always lie then. First, we're going to tell you about a sponsor. It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I am delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. Okay, so now we're going to tell you about books. My first pick today is Home Baked, My Mom, Marijuana, and the Stoning of San Francisco by Aaliyah Voles. And this is a memoir. Aaliyah Voles is the journalist. I myself have never read anything by her, but in looking over the reviews, apparently she has a lot of fans of her writing, and this book is just heartwarming and funny and interesting. It's just fun to read about other people's lives that are so, so very different than yours. But basically, Aaliyah's mother, in the, in the 1970s, she took over this bakery in San Francisco and started making brownies. It was Sticky Fingers brownies, and they were actually marijuana brownies. And she and Leah's father, they used to sell them, like, thousands of them. Walking around the park, they would hide them in Leah's stroller, <laughs> which is... Like, who's going to think a little, little kid in a stroller has a thing full of pop brownies, right? So... For a very long time, they did that, and things went sour. Their partnership kind of went bad, and fast forward to the 80s, Leah's mother moves back to San Francisco, and now she is supplying medical marijuana to AIDS patients. It's a very different time when they, when they return, and she's known as the brownie lady. And I've not read a lot about about that time period in San Francisco and about the AIDS crisis at that time. I read Alexander Chi's essay about living out there in the early 90s, but San Francisco is such an in, such an interesting place to me whenever I read about it, and I still feel like I don't fully understand it, even or that I've heard all the stories that it has to tell. It just seems like a really interesting place. This is just a really cool memoir. 
it's got both the good and the bad. Like, they were definitely breaking the law, obviously, because marijuana was not legal back then. But Aaliyah is explaining the good and the bad about these people in this book and doing an amazing job. And I always say this like I know, like I haven't been there. I didn't live there in the time, so I don't actually know. But I mean, she's doing an amazing job. But, you know, but she's explaining the the time period and the AIDS crisis and what it was like for her mother to to be breaking the law at that time. And also, I also have to give props to uh, HMH Books because this book actually comes out on Monday, the which is 420. Uh, so <laughs> they, they totally did that on purpose. And if you don't know 420, it is the police code for marijuana smoking in progress. It's just, it's a, it's a very interesting memoir. It's, it's a little, it reminded me a little bit of uh, The Life of Time and Franny Davis, I think it was called, about the woman who ran the illegal gambling uh, out of her apartment for like 30 years just to support her family. Uh, it was a great memoir that came out last year. I think that was what it was called. So this one is Home Baked, My Mom, Marijuana, and the Stoning of the San Francisco by Leah Bowles. All right. So my first pick is switching gears slightly. Um, and it's On These Magic Shores by Shamile Saeed Mendez. And it was, okay, originally scheduled to come out next, um, you know, on 421. But um, with the whole COVID-19 crisis, it was actually moved to June 9th. But when I found out, I was already like super excited to read this book and I'd already started it. And I just thought, okay, you know what? It's madness to try to keep up with all the shifting release dates. So I'm going to go with this one. Apologies for the um, moved around release date. But this is a really fantastic middle grade novel. And it is actually one of the ones that totally busted me out of my reading slump. And it's about three sisters, and they live with their single mom in Utah. And they are also living in, like, pretty severe poverty. So their mom works about three jobs to support them. They live in this basement apartment that's kind of dim and sad, and um, they don't have a lot. So their mom actually, because she works three jobs in order to stay afloat, um, she leaves them home alone at night so she can go and work one of her jobs, which is technically illegal because um, in, according to Utah law, she's not allowed to leave her kids for more than four hours at a time. And she's definitely doing that, but she doesn't have any other choice. And so when she goes, she goes right before the girls go to bed and 12-year-old Minerva is like the one in charge. She's the oldest. She's always the one shouldering lots of responsibility when her mom has to work. But their mom is always there when they wake up first thing in the morning, except one morning they wake up and their mom is not there, which is totally scary and very confusing. And Minerva and her younger sisters just have no idea what to think or what to do. Um, but one thing that Minerva does know is that if they tell anybody, um, they might get their mom into trouble or CPS will take them away from their mom. So they decide that, you know, just for as long as they can possibly go, they're just going to go on with life and pretend that nothing has happened, which is really, really hard because basically Minerva is like the one in charge and she's trying to figure out like what they'll eat and what their next move will be and if they have money. 
And, um, you know, she's looking after her little sister who's five and her other little sister who's, I think, just two or three. She's still like a really little toddler and she has to go to daycare and the daycare worker is just horrible to her littlest sister. So Minerva is under a lot of stress. So while this is all going on, she's also hoping to try out for a school production of Peter Pan. And she really, really, really wants the lead role of Wendy. But unfortunately, because of her mom being missing, she's not able to go through with her audition the way she wants to. And she ends up getting cast as Tiger Lily. And Minerva is furious because if you've ever read Peter Pan or seen a production of Peter Pan um, that is, you know, true to... J.M. Barry's original story, you know that the character of Tiger Lily is a really racist um, and stereotypical depiction of a Native American character. And uh, this is the case, too, with Minerva's school production. So she's really upset because she thinks that the only reason that her teacher has cast her as Tiger Lily is because she also has brown skin. Also, while this whole thing is going on, her little sisters are, like, insisting that fairies exist and that, like, magic is real and maybe fairies um, are, like, looking out for them and maybe fairies can help them, like, bring home their mom. And Minerva's 12 years old and she's like, no, 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 like, that's that's not a real thing. Like, that's, that's just make-believe. Like, fairies aren't going to help us. But... Even though she doesn't believe in magic, there are definitely some small little strange things going on that she can't quite explain. So I just think that this is a really marvelous book about growing up in poverty and great uncertainty and that how, how that can really force a kid to grow up quicker than, you know, they might want to. Um, and Minerva has to deal with a lot of responsibility, a lot of serious topics, you know, from this racist school play production to her mom's disappearance. Um, and she, she does it the best she can. And, you know, but the story isn't without some magic and with some help from like some really good friends. She makes some really true friends throughout the course of this book who really, you know, are there for her and help her out. And it's hopeful. And a little bit of magic is just, you know, lurking in between these pages. So I loved it. And even though the publication has been pushed back slightly, I think you should definitely pre-order this book. It's On These Magic Shores by Shamile Sayed Mendez. Okay, my next pick is If I Had Your Face by Francis Cha. It is a debut novel that it takes place in Seoul. And it is sad, and it is gut-punching, and it is wonderful. It is about four women who are live in the same apartment building. And it explores the unrealistic beauty standards of contemporary Korea and the world and the Western influence on beauty and how it has become such a thing where plastic surgery is so very common and sought after in Korea. And it sort of looks at the misogynistic and exploitive atmosphere and strict class system in this country. There is a woman who has had a lot of plastic surgery and she's absolutely gorgeous. And she works as a showroom girl, which is sort of like a hostess job. There is an artist who is in love with a womanizer and her complex feelings about that there's a hairdresser who is obsessed with a k-pop singer and she gets a chance to meet him and so she's worrying over her looks and how she looks 
before she meets him. And there's also a stay-at-home mom who is having all kinds of issues in her relationship and her life at home. And it's about the pressures and traumas they endure in a world where basically they're told that their face is their fortune and their ticket to whatever they want. It's how they try to work to make ends meet and how the women rely on each other in a time when they're told that they're kind of each other's competition. But the book is told in alternating chapters between the four women, between their four voices, and it's really, 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 really good. I could probably add a few more reallys, but this is totally random, and this is so, so random. But the cover is beautiful. It's bright pink and yellow, and when I got it, I, I had this flashback to this really horrible Hubba flavored gum that I used to eat that was like banana and some other fruit it gave me this flashback it was like the same two colors so i just thought i would share that with you like tell you about that because that's the kind of day that i'm having but the book is amazing and it's called if i had your face by francis cha which would also be like a really great title for like a novel about a cannibal anyway (laughs) okay over to you tirza oh that one sounds great and it's on my list for sure um so my next pick is late to the party by kelly quinlan this is a ya book and i just really love this book because it actually made me super nostalgic for high school and i read a lot of ya but definitely not all ya books make me miss my teen years because like you could not pay me enough to go back to high school So um, this one, I totally like read it in two sittings because it was just so much fun. It's about Cody, who is a queer teen girl, and she and her two queer best friends um, are super close, and they have lots and lots of fun together, but they are also sort of stuck in a rut of like just doing the same things over and over and over again. So her friends are um, Maritza and Ja'Cory. And Maurice is a girl, Jacory is a guy. They, like, all three of them are queer, which is kind of fun. I love that about this book. So Maritza and Jacory both really want to, you know, spice things up a bit, do different things rather than just having, like, the same old summer that they have all the time. Cody, like, wants that too, but she's a little bit more hesitant and she's not, not super comfortable um, doing a lot of, like, the teenage things that, you know, she thinks of, like, stereotypical teenager goes to parties and drinks and does all this stuff. Like, she's just kind of like, can't we just, you know, watch movies and go to the pool and hang out? So Maritza and Jacory really just, like, want to have fun. They want to do new things. They want to, you know, get boyfriends and girlfriends. And Cody is a bit more hesitant. Um, and so she refuses to go to a party with them, but then she ends up showing up late to the party and she didn't even want to attend in the first place. And she's going to have to go and rescue her two best friends because they're super drunk. But before she finds them, she ends up making friends with Ricky, a recent high school graduate who is also gay. Again, everyone's gay. I love it. And, um, they end up having like this really cool, like moment of connection that's like completely separate from Maritza and Jacori. And so from there, Cody and Ricky just become like really good friends. And, um, Cody's kind of surprised by it, but it feels kind of nice to have like a new friend, somebody who hasn't known her since, you know, like fifth grade. And, um, Ricky ends up introduce- introducing Cody to his friend group, which includes a girl named Olivia, who Cody immediately crushes on. And the feeling seems like it might be mutual. 
So Cody goes on to have like this most spectacular summer experience, just hanging out with Ricky and his friends, flirting with a new crush, um, just kind of sort of reinventing herself. But here's the rub. She never tells any of this to Maritza and Jacori, who are supposedly her best friends forever. So what I loved about this book is that it is a book about identity, like sexual orientation and identity, but it's not centered around like angsty coming out stories. So I really love it when, you know, authors can write about like, you know, the drama, the challenges, the ups and downs of like, what it means to, you know, be queer and, you know, figure, figuring yourself out, figuring out your love life, but without like defaulting to some of the same old tired coming out stories. And so that book is, this book is largely about that, but it's also about like friend groups and how essential they can be and how they can sometimes feel limiting as well. So I think that um, Kelly Quinlan just did a spectacular job with the characters. Like there are a lot of characters in this book, but they all felt like really, you know, real and unique and they felt like believable teens which I really appreciated because I do love YA sometimes I read books and like these 17 year olds feel like they're 25 year olds and I just don't quite buy it these people really felt like teenagers and um you know I wasn't like no party animal in high school by any stretch of the imagination but I definitely relate to like a lot of like the nights just spent hanging out doing really random things just for the fucking fun of it and for the heck of it and you know getting into slight mischief just to see what you can get to this book actually reminded me a bit of Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. And I know it's kind of cliche to like compare a book to a really well-known title, but it's just totally the vibe I got with this book. Like it just felt almost cozy, like you were hanging out with like characters who were your friends. So um, for that reason, this is a definitely like must read LGBTQYA novel for me. I highly recommend it. It's Late to the Party by Kelly Quinlan. Okay, my next pick is How to Pronounce Knife by Suman Tam Kamavangsa. It is a beautiful, sparse collection of stories about Laos immigrants and their children and their need for love and acceptance. This is a very slim collection, and they're just these little slivers of beautiful stories that will poke you right in the heart. The title story is about a young girl who comes home from school and asks her dad to help her pronounce a word that she sees in a book. There's one about a husband who objects to her or his wife's boss. He feels like he's being a little too attentive. There is a former boxer who ha- has a complete change in occupation. He goes and works at a sister's nail salon. There's one about an old woman and showing that age is just a number. Like, you still feel young on the inside. There's one about a young woman who goes to work at a chicken parts factory, which is ugh, not, not the story. It's a good story. But ugh, there's one about a young mother and daughter who go worm harvesting, which is ugh, ugh, great story. Ugh. It's just, it's very, it's a very slim collection, like I said, and it's really moving and it's really sad. And so I've said this a million times. I like to go and read the reviews of books after I've read them because if you read them before, sometimes they give things away. And I've seen five stars for this book and then like two stars because people are like, this doesn't have anything going on. And if you need your stories to be full of action and have a lot of stuff happening, this no, this is not the collection for you. These are very, very sparse and very 
character oriented and not so much with the plot. But I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes from this author. It is How to Pronounce Knife by Subang Kam Timavangsa. And now it is time for another sponsor. Okay, I'm super excited to hear about this next pick, Tearser, because I wanted to read it, and it's like Jamie's obsession of 2020, so I'm looking forward to it, like what you have to say. Yes. So my next pick is The Silence of Bones by June Her. And I actually think a lot of people are going to be really, really excited about this book. Um, Jamie also got to me and was like, oh my gosh, have you read this book yet? And I was like, I'm so on it. Um, I actually remember when this book was announced like a year, year and a half ago. And I was like, must read right away. So this is actually a historical mystery. And it is set in um, Josan, Korea. So it takes place in 1800, and it's about a young woman named Saye who was orphaned as a child, and she and her older sister were forced into indentured servitude because they just had nowhere else to go, no family, no money, no one to take them in. And so she spent most of her life in indentured servitude. And then when she's a teenager, she is sent to the capital city to become an indentured servant at the police bureau. Um, and even though she doesn't really want to be far from home and from her older sister, her older sister's like, no, 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 you have to go. You have to go to the capital and use your time there to try to track down the grave of their brother who has been like missing for 10 years and they're pretty sure he's dead. So, um, so yeah, agrees. She goes. Um, she's not exactly happy in the police bureau, but it is an interesting job to say the least. So according to Confucius law of this time, Men were not allowed to touch women who weren't directly related to them, even in death. So Soye is one of the many servants who is taken along with a police inspector when they need to either arrest a woman or examine or move um, a dead female body or even like question a female witness. Um, so Soye's job gets real interesting one day when a noble woman is found dead and she's been murdered and um you know it's a little content warning it's a little little graphic um because her body is mutilated doesn't focus too much on those graphic details but they are mentioned um so she is soye is expected to you know help them figure out who murdered this young noble woman and it's an especially splashy murder because she was of nobility so throughout the course of this investigation, Saye discovers that the woman who died was secretly Catholic. So Catholicism was just starting to really spread across Korea at this time. And because it was a Western religion, it was completely banned. And anyone who converted or even just helped um, Catholics face pretty severe persecution. So Saye is investigating this murder first out of curiosity because she's kind of a curious person. It's very hard for her to live and work in a police bureau and not ask questions. But then she really gets enmeshed in it when she starts to see some connections um, between the murder and some people she knows at the police bureau. And those connections end up having a pretty big impact on her own life. 
I think that this is just a really great mystery set in a time period in a place that I had never read about before. And I have to say, as somebody who has like actually written a mystery set in this very same time period, but in a very different part of the world, I've done a lot of research on crime and investigation and forensics in the early 19th century. And I had no idea that Korea was so advanced in this area at this time. Like they really had their act together when it came to like an organized police force, um, you know, looking for evidence, forensics, um, and even including women in this process. I mean, it was done because patriarchy was really, you know, reigning in this time. Um, so women were included grudgingly, but they were included and there was a lot of just really interesting investigative stuff going on. So I found that a really interesting historical little detail. But it's an excellent novel. I think it's going to satisfy a lot of mystery fans who are looking for something different in um, a historical mystery. So that is The Silence of Bones by June Her. Okay, so I meant to mention this at the beginning, but I completely forgot because you and I talked about video games for like half an hour, maybe made complaints before we recorded and I completely forgot I was going to talk about it. But let's talk about your book. You announced last week or two weeks ago you have a book coming out. So it's so exciting. It's your debut. Is that correct? Thank you. Yes, it is my debut novel coming from um, HarperCollins next spring. Um, it's called Pride and Premeditation, and it is a Regency-era murder, murder mystery retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, I meant to bring that up earlier, but you know me. My brain is all over the place. It's okay. Everything is all over the place. My my recording, the level just went up on its own, apparently, because it was also very excited about your book. <laughs> um, so I had to fix that. Um, so I'm going to do something I don't think I've ever done before now. Uh, and I'm going to tell you about a book and let you decide <laughs> if you want to read it or not. Um, partly because... I read it, and I can't say that I loved it, but I couldn't look away, and partly because I don't have any other books to recommend today, um, because I had to save some for the newsletter. But, so I will just, I will try and, like, be very neutral about this and tell you that I read the Val Kilmer memoir, I'm Your Huckleberry, which, right there, great title, right? Because, like, Tombstone, probably his best Mm -hmm. role? Probably. But... I don't know how I feel about it, but I couldn't stop reading it. Like, his childhood especially was very interesting. Um, But I don't know what word to use to describe Val Kilmer, like, present day. He's notorious for being quite secretive and also notorious for being quite difficult on the set. And... I was thinking about his roles, like, he's had large roles, but he's never had, like, a huge blockbuster that he himself starred in. He's more of, like, a supporting actor. Uh, And so he has written this book and talks all about his life and himself, and I can't tell if he jokingly thinks that he has a large ego or if he is not aware of just how narcissistic he sounds at all times when he's talking about himself. Because he's also a little, I don't know what the word is, maybe like woo-woo. He's very spiritual and talks about, like, love with a capital L and um, makes reference to himself. And when he talks about himself, he's always the best at this. He's always the best painter, the best actor, um, you know, gets the most beautiful women. 
But, you know, he doesn't want you to think like he's conceited, but at the same time, he's also saying like he is the best always at everything. Um, and it's it's very interesting and confusing because I'm like, does he really think these things? I think he does. But he's like joking to try and make us think that he doesn't think that he's like the greatest person in the world. I can't tell. Like, I don't dislike, like, I feel weird like just talking about this now. Like, I don't dislike the book. It was really fascinating. I mean, he he drops names all over the place. He talks about when he was young, he had a very interesting life. Like, he grew up in California, right next to, like, Roy Rogers and a bunch of other actors. And his dad had money sometimes, and they did wild things. And then his dad didn't have money other times. And he dropped out of high school. Like, I, I learned all kinds of things about him. I didn't know. I didn't. He, like, dropped out of high school at 16 and got accepted to Juilliard, uh, which he said he was, like, the youngest person ever accepted. You know, I, I, I'm assuming that's true. Um, you know, his, his uh, first girlfriend was was Mayor Winningham, uh, who was like uh, won an Emmy when she was like 18, just like somebody that he met at school. I mean, he went to Beverly Hills High School. Like he had all these like, wild experiences that are so very different, um, which is part of the reason why I enjoyed reading it because, you know, growing up as a young girl in Maine, it's very, very different. And, you know, like you said, he talked and he talks about like, you know, he can be a problem sometimes. He talks about, um, you know, mistakes that he's made in his life. And he's had uh, throat cancer, and so now his voice is is quite different. And according to the introduction, like it's it's very raspy. Still, he's like working on strengthening his voice. And so, like if you're a huge Val Kilmer fan, uh, this is definitely a book that you want to read. If you are not a huge Val Kilmer fan, I still like I'm talking about it because I can't stop talking about it. Like I kept saying things to my boyfriend and, and to my friends when I was reading this. So obviously, it hooked me. But I don't know. I guess. The thing I'm trying to say is I don't know if we should take him seriously about thinking he's the greatest person in the world or if he actually feels that way. So I would be curious to know what other people think. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's done some amazing roles and he's wildly interesting. So it is called I'm Your Huckleberry and it is by Val Kilmer. That is a really excellent title. Yeah. I mean, I, I was trying to think, like, could it be anything else? Like, maybe I'm your, you know, I'm your wingman. I don't know. <laughs> but um, and he's I, he's going to be in the, the new Top Gun movie. Like, they're making a new one, like, 30-something years later. Uh, and supposedly he's going to be in it. But, I, like, I forgot that he was in Batman, which was, like, a, a very stressful experience for everyone involved, <laughs> apparently. Um, and it didn't do very well. And, and I'd forgotten some of the things that he did. So, and according to him, he's the best at them. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so my final pick is Echo Mountain by Lauren Walk. And this is her, her third novel, but it's the first of hers that I've actually read. So she got the Newbery honor for her debut, Wolf Hollow. Um, and Echo Mountain is a historical middle grade book about Ellie, whose family has like lost everything they own in the Great Depression, and which is really super sad. And because they don't have jobs, they don't even have their house anymore, they head up to Echo Mountain in Maine, Liberty, <laughs> and they build a cabin and live up there in the wilderness. And they are sort of close to four other families. And so they're all just eking out a living the best that they can. They um, I'll have different sort of um, assets that they trade. So like Ellie's family has a milk cow. Other families are really good at hunting. Um, so between the five of them, they're, they're making it work. 
Um, but one day there is a horrible accident and Ellie's father is left in a coma and they don't know what to do for him. Um, he hit his head. He is just sleeping in the house all day and they're caring for him the best that they can. Um, so unfortunately, Ellie is blamed for the accident and for causing it. And it's definitely not her fault. It's actually um, somebody else's fault. But Ellie is keeping this a secret and she won't correct anyone. And so she's been living for a few months with just like the weight of this truth and everybody kind of not necessarily outright blaming her, but secretly blaming her. And so when the novel starts, um, all of this has already happened, but she starts out with this litter of puppies that is born. And Ali discovers that she has this really amazing sort of gift slash intuition. Um, not quite sure what it is, it's, but it's kind of like an intuition for just like living in the wilderness and knowing what, you know, animals and nature need. And so she saves the life of this newborn puppy. And because of that, it, her brain starts turning and she gets it into her mind that maybe she can save her father too if she just tries hard enough. But in order to find this ultimate cure for him, she realizes that she's going to have to take a trip up to the top of the mountain beyond where the five families live to visit the hag that lives at the top. So this is just a really great moving middle grade novel. Um, it has a gorgeous cover. Definitely look it up if you haven't seen it already. Um, and it's about, you know, hardship because this is the Great Depression and, you know, their father is in a coma. But it's also about the joys of nature and just like the wonders of the natural world. And, you know, Ali really, despite the horrible circumstances that lead them to living on the mountain, she really takes to the natural world and, you know, just existing in nature and in the woods um, like it's her natural state. And um, there's also a bit of magical thinking in this book, of course. So I think it can feel a little heavy at times because it is about some pretty big issues beyond Ellie's control. But like On These Magic Shores, it's got some magical moments and it's a middle grade, so hope is never too far off. So I really enjoyed it. And it definitely made me want to go back and pick up some of Lauren Walk's other books. So again, that's Echo Mountain. I feel like Maine has been in a lot of books lately, especially like children's books. Like there was In the Hall with the Knife, Tell Me Everything, The Wilder Girls. There's Almost Maine that just came out. Of course, that was based on a play that came out a long time ago. And then there was The Return, the horror novel that I love. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like Maine is like big deal right now in books, which is pretty cool. It's a cool place. If, if you've never been, everyone come and visit. It's just great. Not right now, though. Please don't come visit right now. <laughs> stay in your <laughs> house. I should say, please stay in your house and look at pictures of Maine on the computer. And then when it's safe, come and visit Maine. It's a cool place. You know, I hated it when I was a kid. I hated it here. Just like I think a lot of people feel the same way about where they grow up, you know. But it took me 30 years, but I came back and Maine is fun now. So that is it for new books. We did it. Yay. Um, what are you going to read next? 
So I'm definitely capitalizing on my momentum of reading that I've slowly rediscovered. And I picked up just last night The Blue Castle by L.M. Montgomery, who, of course, wrote Anne of Green Gables. And I don't know how many people actually, you know, read Montgomery's work beyond Anne of Green Gables, but The Blue Castle is a delight. It's um, marketed as a young adult book, but it's definitely not YA. So it starts off with the protagonist's like 29th birthday, and she's considered an old maid because this is the 1920s, and she lives like kind of a miserable life with her horrible mother and her horrible cousin, and her entire family is awful and demeaning to her. And in the very beginning of the book, she you know, gathers up her courage and she goes to the doctor over some heart and chest pain that she's been having. And she discovers that she has a heart condition and the doctor tells her, you have a year to live. So she just decides, huh, that, that, that sucks. But you know what? I'm not going to waste my time pleasing my family anymore. So she just embarks on like saying and doing whatever the heck she wants. And (laughs) it's so hysterically funny and lighthearted and just, really delightful so yeah the blue castle by ellen montgomery it's really great so far all right Uh, i'm not reading anything that that far back um actually i'm reading stuff that isn't out yet one thing being a post-apocalypto which is the tenacious d graphic novel that is coming out in september um which is very strange i was just listening to tenacious d like last week and then i got a galley of the book and i was like that's weird like i haven't listened to them in so long it's like i imagined it (laughs) into being and then right before we started recording this podcast i got the cold millions by jess walter which i didn't even realize he had a new book coming out Uh, you might know him from beautiful ruins or the financial lives of the poets uh, my personal favorite Um, and so this is exciting he hasn't had a book in a long time i think there was a book of short stories but that was a long time ago now um so This is a new novel, which appears to also take place at the turn of the 20th century or during the Great Depression. Yes, early 20th century America. And it says that it is a propulsive, richly entertaining novel about two adventure-seeking brothers, the enemies who threaten them, and the women who reveal to them an unjust world on the brink of upheaval. So it might have even got pushed because it's like Great Depression era stuff. Like You might have noticed there's a lot of books... Um, getting bumped up that are about like plagues and financial ruin and stuff because a lot of people want to read about this stuff right now. Um, the new Emma Donahue is about the Spanish flu, the new novel, and that got moved from 2021 to just this July. Um, so like while most books are getting pushed back, some are getting bumped up uh, to capitalize on what's going on. Uh, so this might be another case of that. I cannot say for sure, though, but I was excited to see it right before we started recording. I'm going to stop babbling now. So I'm going to say thank you, Teresa, for joining me again today. And thank you to everyone listening. And thank you to our sponsors. Uh, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to talk to me about the Disney emoji game. Seriously, I'm so into <laughs> this game. Um, you can find us online. Tirza is on Twitter at Tirza Price. And I am on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs>